Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Beat. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Beat, part of the Triple Play Fantasy Network. Thank you for joining us. My name is Chris Torres. I'm going to be your host today, joined by my co-host, Carlos Marcano. Carlos, how you doing? Extremely happy to be back, man. We missed you, man. Thank you. I know, I know you guys did. You always, you're, you're always too kind with me. But I seriously missed doing the pod. It, it's, it's my me time, you know, and I missed. <laughs> yeah, well, super happy to have you back. And you're back for a good episode. Let me tell you, we, we've got just some awesome guests coming up. Uh, you know, we know everybody is, is in the middle of draft prep and a lot of people are drafting currently. So we wanted to give you as much information as we could. So we're going to start out. Let me give you a quick rundown here. We are going to be doing a interview with Nick Picoro who has been on our podcast before. He is the Diamondbacks beat writer for AZ Central. We're going to be talking about the Diamondbacks and some questions around their rotation, closing situation, and uh, and now with some news regarding their catcher. So we want to get Nick's insight regarding uh, regarding those things. Then we are going to be talking about injuries. You know, that has been a big topic of conversation, especially with some major injuries happening during the World Baseball Classic. So we are going to be bringing on somebody who, man, he does awesome work around injuries. We're bringing on Dave Funnel of Fantrax. He's going to be breaking down all the news that you need to know. And then we're going to be having a segment after that where we're going to be talking about our favorite sleepers for this upcoming season. And, you know, when we started this podcast, we talked about wanting to engage with our audience. And and that's what we want to do today. So we have uh, some listeners, some friends of the pod who are going to be coming on. And we're just going to be having some fun talking about maybe some under the radar players that we like going into this season. And while all that's going on, we've got the World Baseball Classic final with USA and Japan in the background. So you may hear some live reactions from us uh, as that is going on. So uh, but we're going to have a really good episode. Uh, so let's get right to it. I've got Nick Picoro here again, Diamondbacks beat writer for AZ Central. Nick, thank you so much for joining us again. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right. So let's let's go right into the news of the day, actually, because I actually saw your tweet a couple hours ago that Carson Kelly is going to the IL. So if you could tell us a little bit about that and how and the ramifications as far as playing time after this injury. Yeah, well, he was hit on the arm by a pitch on Monday against the White Sox and was in tremendous pain. I mean, you, you could tell, you know, even a half hour after that he was struggling and it was pretty evident that something was wrong. He, uh, he went to get tested. He does have a fracture in his forearm. They're not giving us a timetable. <laughs> Maybe you can ask your injury guy later. I, I, I'm imagining he's probably not coming back from that, you know, without missing eight to 10 weeks, something like that. You just don't see guys returning from, from fractures in, in short order. So that's that's going to, you know, really throw a wrench in their plans. I think they had hoped that they would be able to kind of ease Gabriel Moreno into a bigger role 
uh, by by kind of starting him off with a with a bit of a you know I guess I'm just reminded of the way that it was when Carson Kelly first got acquired from the Cardinals four or five years ago, and they had some veteran catchers that they were playing. You know, they, I think they actually had three catchers at the time, and Carson was playing a couple of times a week, and then in in the span of a few weeks or or maybe a couple of months, he grew into being that four or five times a week catcher. And I think they had wanted to do that with Moreno, but I don't know that they're going to have that luxury anymore. I think it's probably going to throw him right into the fire. I would assume he starts four or five times a week now, right out of the gate and kind of a sink or swim type of situation. I, I, uh, I don't have a ton of history with Moreno, obviously, he he just came over in that big trade in December. Mm-hmm. I really only have what I've seen so far in spring training, but I've been pretty impressed. I mean, I think the the quality of the at bats has been really good. He seems to have a knack for hitting balls hard. He's absolutely destroyed a couple of pitches, which which is sort of interesting since it was, you know, really the the power the power ceiling was really the only question people seemed to have about him. I mean, it's a couple of swings in spring training. Take it for what it's worth, right? But it sure seems like the the raw power is there in batting practice, and I've seen him now tap into it a couple of times in in games. So I don't know. Most young guys, especially catchers, catchers are always slower to develop. You know, struggle early in in their careers. So I guess I, I feel like we probably need to be a little bit conservative in in terms of the expectations but man i mean the 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 small sample i've seen the the kind of track record in his in his minor league career the testimonials from scouts i mean it it sure seems like this is a guy who's who's going to be able to be an offensive contributor we'll we'll see if he can do it right away Mm -hmm. that's interesting nick because i was looking at the other options and I mean, it looks like Moreno is going to really have to step up because, you know, there is like Jose Herrera, PJ Higgins, and these are guys with without an, an proof, without a proof track record either. So it, it's kind of a dire situation there, right? Well, it's a good thing they traded for Moreno, right? I mean, they, yeah. would, they would be pretty thin there if, if, if they didn't, if they hadn't done that. Herrera is a good defender guys like throwing to him and all that, but you know, he just hasn't hit yet. He seems to have a pretty good approach. He just doesn't really, hasn't really shown a, a, a knack for impacting the ball. Uh, Higgins, I'm, I'm kind of coming up to speed on him. It seems like he's a pretty decent, pretty decent offensive player for, for a catcher. Um, I get the sense that maybe he's not quite as, as solid defensively as Herrera is. Um, I guess it sort of depends on what, what they want to go with there. I would guess when you already have one guy in, in Moreno who's not as familiar with the pitching staff, it would be kind of asking a lot to throw another guy on that team that that, that doesn't know them well. So I would think yeah. that that would give Herrera the leg up for that backup job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I just want to give you or give our listeners Gabriel Moreno's projection. And like this is this is really, really significant news in the fantasy community because Moreno was already a guy that a lot of people were targeting. Uh, Carlos, I think he was going around an ADP of 250. And uh, honestly, at the time, I was like, I don't get it. I don't, you know, it seemed like he was like a 50-50 timeshare guy and there were questions about his power. But now, I mean, those people who took him at 250, I mean, they got bailed out, right? Because he was projected for 326 plate appearances by the bat. Um, now I think we could safely bump that up to 400, 450. Is that fair to say, Nick? Yeah, I would think so. It, that, yeah, 
we'll have to see. I know that Tori Lavella has always tried to, you know, you know, take it easy with guys. Like I, I wouldn't be surprised we look up and Moreno's hitting seventh, eighth, or ninth for the first several weeks of the season, regardless of mm-hmm. production. So that'll cut into a little bit of the at bats. But yeah, man, I mean, I think if uh I think he's gonna play a, a whole lot till Carson Kelly comes back. And we don't even really know when Carson Kelly's gonna come back. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so in those 326 plate appearances, he was projected for five home runs, three stolen bases, and a 240, 274 batting average, rather. So you could bump that up a little bit. Still, you know, the batting average is nice, especially from the catcher position. But yeah, as you mentioned, Nick, there's still question about the power ceiling. And I think there's also questions about uh, a rookie catcher just stepping right in and kind of being thrown into the fire. We often see an adjustment period needed for these Young catchers is obviously there's a lot to learn defensively. And I think even more so this year with the rule changes. And uh, I think there's going to be a lot more responsibility on catchers. So we will uh, we'll see how that plays out. But right now, those who drafted him are, are feeling pretty good about that investment. Nick, I want to move on to asking you about rotation here. So some in the fantasy community were a little surprised about Brandon Fott because there was so much buzz around him in spring training. He really looked good. And then he ended up getting sent back down to AAA a couple days ago. So want to get your take on that situation. Uh, is it Dre Jameson that's going to take that fifth starter role? And the follow-up is, is Brandon Fott someone that we're going to see pretty soon in the season, uh, you know, in that rotation? Uh, I guess kind of quick answers to both. Like it's probably going to be Jameson, but I'm not overly confident. And yeah, I would guess that we're going to see fought at some point early on, but, but we'll just have to see how it plays out with Jameson. Like he's, he's probably pitched better results wise than, than Ryan Nelson, who's the other guy in, in the hunt. But I think that they're willing to take it down to the wire. And I think that Nelson has thrown better of late. Jameson has given up a little bit of hard contact. It's just, it's so hard to figure out what you're looking at in spring training because, mm-hmm. you know, Jameson's working on a changeup. Would he really throw that changeup in that situation to that guy in a regular season game? Or is he going to say, no, he's going to shake that off and go to his slider, which is clearly his best pitch when he gets to two strikes. And, you know, I, I don't know like how you really evaluate some of that stuff. And, and then, you know, when you, when you look back at, you know, kind of how last season played out, like Nelson was the first one to get called up of the two. Like, do we, do we take something from that? Like, do we take something from the fact that Nelson put up better numbers in Reno than, than Jameson did last year? Uh, I don't know. Jameson's stuff is probably louder, just kind of on its, on its face, you know? I mean, he, he throws 97 to a hundred. He has a two seamer that he'll throw almost as hard, but has pretty good movement. He has a really nasty slider. So there's that, but you know, Nelson's stuff isn't bad either. His, his repertoire is probably a little bit, a little bit deeper. Uh, he's got a couple of breaking balls. He's got a changeup that he feels better about than Jameson does. And he has a fastball. That's, that's pretty good. It doesn't have the same pure velocity, but it gets on hitters really well. And, and he gets lots of swings and misses with it. Mm-hmm. As for Fott, kind of going back to what you were saying originally, I just think those guys were were ahead of him. You know, it's it's just a little bit more like their time. You know, to they're already on the roster, they've come up and and this, these aren't guys that just came up and like pitched okay. I mean, the two of them 
I think one of them had a 1.47 ERA and one of them had a 1.48 ERA mm-hmm. in in three and four starts. So it's seven starts combined between the two of them. Like that that counts for something for these for these guys when they're making their decisions. Uh, and and like I don't think that the gap. I would guess that if you gave all those guys truth serum, they would tell you yes. Brandon Fott is probably the better pitcher. We we like his future. We may even like his chances against the Dodgers or Padres in the first week of the season better than we like the other guys. We like Fott's chances better. I'm saying, but I don't think that they would say that they like it considerably so. Right? I mean, I, I don't think that the gap between the two is, or sorry, between Fott and the other two is enormous. It, it's at least, at least as they're looking at it right now. So I, I just think it's a matter of like, let's just give it, give these guys their their first chance here. They've earned it. They've pitched well in the big leagues. This is who we're going to decide between. Fott's time will come. How quickly it comes, I don't know. Uh, you know, if one of those guys wins the job and struggles in a couple of starts, do they do they immediately change direction? Maybe. Especially if the one that doesn't win the job goes down to Reno and pitches poorly and Fott dominates his first few starts, right? Oh yeah, I was saying, how long are we going to see Bumgarner, especially considering the the way he struggled in the second half last year? Yeah. You know, do you, if, you think he, he's a candidate to just be DFA'd at some point, like fairly early in the season, if he just doesn't have it? Maybe, yeah. I, I don't think it's going to play out that way. I think he'll probably be competitive enough pitcher to to you know keep his job for a little while at least. I. I guess the other thing is I just think that that pitching depth is is so valuable and and hard to come by that even a team that has what looks like a lot of it isn't going to probably pull the plug on someone that that quickly mm-hmm. but if it's but if it's non-competitive you know 3 4 5 times then yeah I I I think that I think that they might move on if if those other guys are throwing well in Reno and and look like viable options. So yeah, I, I don't I don't think they're going to wait around forever. Yeah, I, I could almost see him going down the Dallas Keuchel route from last year, where you know it just he doesn't have it and maybe bounces to another team and they give him a shot. But I, I just it it looked ugly last it, year, definitely. Um, but, you know, I got to give you credit, Nick. You, we spoke to you, I think, back in November, December. You were on Brandon Fott back then. I remember that conversation. I had no idea who that was. So you kept bringing up his name. And then, you know, as spring training came and, you know, that it was a lot of, there was a lot of hype in the fantasy community. I was like, man, my, my man, Nick Picoro, he had that early. So thank you for putting me on that one early. Uh, but uh, Carlos, you were gonna <laughs> you were gonna ask about the uh, the bullpen. Yeah, yeah. That there is a lot of specul- speculation here. I mean, we have Joe Mantiply, Andrew Andrew Chaffin, Scott McCaw. What do you think it's going to be the resolution there? A, a committee or something? What 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 do you think it's on the manager's mind around this? Yeah, I don't know exactly. I wouldn't be surprised if they go into the season and kind of play the matchups early on and, and wait to see if someone emerges. That said, I also wouldn't be surprised if it just went to, to McGuff right away. I've been, I've been really impressed with what I've seen from him in spring training so far. 
and it's it's impressive in like a in like a it doesn't really blow you away sort of way. I mean, we're not watching like Jonathan Papelbon come up as a rookie and throw ninety nine and you know win that job right away. This is this is like he throws ninety three, ninety four, but his fastball gets on guys. He throws a slider and a split, but he doesn't just throw them both down in the zone for chase. He throws them in the zone for strikes. It's it seems to keep guys off balance and it seems to get a fair amount of swings and misses. It's it's an, it's a really interesting guy that I think that they've found here. And, and I he was he was getting closing experience in Japan. He was he was doing it in the, the World Series over there. Um I mean, he he's uh, I think he's as 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 good a candidate as any to to get the the first crack at the ninth inning for these guys. I, and I mean, Familia has thrown well and is probably going to be on the team. That's a guy who's done it in the in the big leagues in the past. Miguel Castro, who they signed in the offseason, has looked great. Kevin Ginkle, who may have had some save chances over the years, the last few years for the Diamondbacks, has, has had a really nice spring. Uh, and they have some other guys that are that are young and, and have nasty stuff that might eventually earn their way into that kind of role later in the year. Guys like Carlos Vargas and Justin Martinez, even Luis Frias, another name. Maybe if you follow the Dimebacks system, remember as a, as a, he's had a nice spring, but I, I think that McGuff is the guy that stands out as, as probably the first, the first option in my opinion. And just, and just like for your information guys at listening, he's already jumped a hundred positions in ADP in the last Ten days or so. So, I, yeah, I, I think if, that's if, kind if, of the popular opinion now is that McGuff is is going to mm-hmm. be the guy. Um, Mike, well, you perfect timing because we got our bullpen guy on with us. Mike, so happy you're able to join us. Hey, anything to add? Any other questions regarding the bullpen here? No, I think Nick hit a home run there. I think that McGuff really does look like the guy, and and I was wrong, and I will admit that. I. I really thought when they signed Chafin, it would be him, but it could be a committee situation here too. So we'll have to see how that one plays out. But uh, Guff has been a really good find for them so far this spring. Yep. All right. So we also want to ask you about the outfield. And, you know, there's there's a lot of pieces there. So, Nick, can you tell us a little bit about how you see the playing time shaking out in the outfield? Yeah, well... I mean, I think that Corbin Carroll and Lourdes Gurriel are probably going to be the closest thing to full-time at-bats. Maybe Alec Thomas, but I I would guess he sits a little more against lefties. Maybe Jake McCarthy as well, but I think those other two are probably a a little bit ahead. Carroll, for for obvious reasons. Gurriel is a a right-handed bat, which the others aren't. And just the quality of his at bats that that we've seen this spring, I just I just think he's going to play a lot. I don't think he's going to play a lot of outfield actually, but I think he's going to get every day at bats as as a DH, pretty close to every day at bats at least. He may start in left field on certain days against left-handed pitching, and that's assuming Kyle Lewis makes the team, which is which is looking more and more likely to me. And Lewis would probably DH on those days. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean. I think I think that what's going to be interesting is if Thomas struggles. We it's probably worth remembering that they sent him down at the end of last season. About a week left in the year, they optioned him to AAA, and and gave it bats to other guys, including Paven Smith. I, I'm guessing that doesn't happen to open the year, 
but it's I think a thing to keep an eye on if if he struggles. I don't think he swung the bat. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think he swung the bat great. I haven't been able to watch all the WBC games. He was playing for Mexico. I didn't when looking at the box score, it didn't look like he was getting a ton of hits. So we'll see if he's been able to make some adjustments and and kind of be a little bit more uh, locked in on his approach this year when the season starts. Yeah, he did not have very good swings in the WBC, to your point, Nick. And, you know, I think his, his best chance at sticking really seems to be the glove and the speed, right? So, Yeah, but, you know, the, the thing that works against him in that respect is that these other guys have great gloves and speed as well. Right. They, I don't think that Carroll or McCarthy are as good of defenders in center field as Thomas. I don't think that they make it look quite as easy as he does out there. He really, he really has a way of like just kind of gliding to the spot. He's, he's just a very natural, easy defender, but Carroll has played a lot of center field since Thomas has been gone. And some of that has been, you know, they, they want him to get experience out there, but it actually kind of surprised me how much he's played center field, you know, because if his everyday position is really going to be left field, wouldn't you want him playing? Now, look, he, he played a lot of left field before the classic began, and he's presumably going to start playing a lot of left field again once Alec Thomas returns in a, a day or two. But I guess it's just sort of got me thinking like, hmm, I don't think they would pull the plug on on Thomas on opening day. But just kind of did get me thinking like, huh, that, that was a thing that happened last year. And maybe that's a thing that happens again at some point if, if Thomas's bat doesn't come around. Yeah, just for an update, he was one for seven in the last couple of games in the WBC with three strikeouts, Alec Thomas. All right. Well, Nick, we appreciate you checking in with us. We'll always enjoy having you on here. If you could just please our, tell our listeners where they can find your work. Yeah. Thanks for having me, you guys. I always enjoy my visits. And yeah, they can follow me on Twitter. It's at Nick Picoro, N-I-C-K-P-I-E-C-O-R-O, or read my stuff at azcentral.com. That's the website for the Arizona Republic, the newspaper in Phoenix. Thanks again. Welcome back. We've got another great guest for you. Dave Funnel of Fantrax, Pitcher List, and Prospects 1500 has joined us. He's the injury guy. All right. So he is here to help us break down all of these injuries that have been going on during spring training and the World Baseball Classic. So we want to get his opinion on the time frame of some of these injuries and kind of the fallout of some of them. So let's bring him right in. Dave, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Hey, I am great. I'm happy to be here. Looking forward to talking with three fine gentlemen. It's going to be a good night. All right. We, I'm not looking so fine myself, but I think Mike, he's looking the finest out of all of us. He's got that beard nice and trimmed. Love to see it. I'm on point tonight, Torres. You know why? Because we have two they, of my favorite people coming on. Dave's going to be on. Dave's one of my best friends. And we talk constantly about baseball stuff. We've never met directly, but no. he's one of my best friends. And we have another guest coming on later. I don't want to spoil the, the surprise, but two of my wonderful people and heroic people in my life that I get to talk to fairly frequently. So I'm very excited. So I got, I got the beard trimmed and I got the haircut today because I also have to get on a plane Saturday and I was starting to look a little wonky there. The beard was kind of long. It was, I was going to say something, honestly, I I felt like we were getting to that point. 
Yeah. yeah, like terrorist junior, right? Like he wasn't so good, you know. Yeah, you trimmed it for me. I was getting excited. I was like, <laughs> "All right, well, let's let's get right into it. Let's go to somebody who does have a, a pretty nice beard, and Justin Turner, a guy who, you know, obviously there was that scary moment about a week or two ago where he got hit in the face with a ball, but now it's looking like he's ready for opening day. So, Dave, just want to confirm with you, all good with Justin Turner. Yeah, all good. He that was his intention. He really wanted to be ready for opening day and he was able to do everything that he needed to do. He got the stitches out in time. So I think he actually even played in the game might have been today or he was going to play. But no, he is good to go and he's going to be their DH going forward. So I think everything is planned going forward with him. All right. So nice. and, um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, I think there was a little bit of a dip there in his ADP after that injury and you may still be able to get him at a, at a little bit of a discount. So glad to see that he's doing well. Let's let's move to the rotation in Boston because they've got some guys who I'd say some of them are, are not too big of a surprise here, but some guys who are dealing with some uh, some nagging injuries. And let, let's talk about James Paxson. I mean, you should have known this going into the season, right? He's got a hamstring issue. Tell us where he is at currently. Yeah, well, right now they're taking things slowly with him. He's going to throw or he had thrown a bullpen. The unfortunate part was that he had um, good, good velo in, in the start that he did actually do. So this was just more of a lower body injury. But the thing with him, and it's just terrible track record of injuries, the fact that they're relying on him right now to be a part of their bullpen shows really where they are. Or not their bullpen, their rotation mm-hmm. shows where they are going forward and how much trouble i think they could be in this year yeah that, that team's a little bit of a mess to be honest i'm really not sure what their plan is you know they were planning to put garrett whitlock and tanner Houck in the rotation but they've also got some nagging injuries garrett whitlock with the hip tanner Houck with his back so do you think those guys are going to be ready for opening day yeah i know Houck right now he's working on a new pitch so any struggles that he's having isn't really back related it's more or less him just trying to work i think it's a new cutter so he's trying to fit that in whitlock's looked good like really solid but i know they need to stretch him out a bit more so i think he's gonna miss a one or two starts to begin the season because they need to get him in to more get him to ramp up a bit more but i heard something about he's in line to be like april 9th or something so he won't miss much but yeah, those two in the rotation. It's just odd that they're in the rotation and then they went out and went got Kenley Jansen when it's Whitlock and Hauk seem to be perfect for the bullpen. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's just like a weird team because Kenley Jansen is a move for a win now team, right? And I don't think the Red Sox really are that right now. And they're it's like sometimes they they give you the signal that they are playing for this year and then others are more in more of a long-term approach. So I'm really not sure what's going on, but uh, two guys to finish up in the middle infield here on Boston, Adalberto Mondesi and Trevor Story. So Mondesi, we know he's another one who's been plagued by injuries. Uh, do we have a timeline for him to, to return here? Well, he was starting to do, base, he was resuming baseball activities, getting going with grounders and stuff, but he has a history of just taking forever to recover from anything. I remember one one time a couple of years ago, out of the blue, he had a, I think it was a hamstring injury on opening day, and he took two months to get ready. So 
I don't know what is going to go on there, but I would think maybe about a few weeks towards a month for Mondesi. Mm-hmm. But any it's it's up in the air with him because he just takes forever to to get better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, Trevor's story, any timeline on on him at this point? The only thing that came out with him was the fact that he's starting to feel grounders and just get out there. So the speculation is that why would he actually be doing that other than the mental aspect of, you know, being a baseball player again? Why would he be out there working on things like that if he wasn't going to come back this season? So I think for him, it's more or less, it's going to be about half the season, but I think he will play this year. Gotcha. All right, Carlos, take us through the Rockies. Yeah, this is usually a dysfunctional franchise, but not not usually in the health department, but we've seen a lot of stuff going on for them also in that in that situation. Yeah. And especially I think the Rogers injuries, it, it just put everything upside down. Uh, what do you think is gonna happen with him? Well, I know he is out for the season, but you're right. It was it was that injury that really started it all because they had to rearrange McMahon and then yeah. they had to go out and get Mike Moustakis, which is not going to be any team's first or second option. But for him, he will be out for the year. But when, when you say dysfunction, it's it's so true because their strength should be with their bats, but it's yeah. their bats that are just killing them right now. And they, they need to rely on their pitching and they just... Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. And that brings me to, uh, to one of the big bats, Grichuk, you know, I mean, I, I know they they were counting with him because he's like this power bat. There they have they've ha- have had issues with uh, Bryant in the past, and Grichuk was more or less reliable. But now he's gonna be gone for a few a few days. Yeah, he had the off season hernia surgery. So <coughs> excuse me, but it's something that he's had in the past as well. And again, they had to rearrange their plans in the outfield. It was supposed to be him and. Jonathan Daza out there, but now it's just Daza because uh, they also had another injury as well to uh, Charlie Blackman. So yeah. they're just rearranging puzzle pieces everywhere. And it's, I don't even know if they have the answer within. Do you think Blackman is going to lose, lose a big amount of time or anything? Or just a matter of what happens with people like me and Mike that are getting old and that's. That, 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 that. <laughs> I. I think I just read that he actually, he feels he'll be back in time, but I feel like father time is just going to tell him to put the glove away and just Mm -hmm. DH because he's what, 37, 38 years old. And it's just, I don't see him doing much outside of a DH right now and just letting his bat do the talking until he decides to hang him up. I I wish I was 37 or 38. (laughs) I was going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right. Just going to the final big bad situation there, but it looks like Kron is not that bad uh, at least, right? Yeah, it's just back spasms for now. I, there'll be more updates as the week goes on, but it is will be concerning if he is out for any longer period of time than that, because I know back injuries can be yeah. troublesome because I know the, the Rockies play a lot of games at home for the first couple months. and. Uh, He's really only usable at home. He's just terrible on the road. So they, they they really need to get him back or else he might not have as much value this year. As, as someone that 
his bag is always screaming. I can confirm that anything related with the bag is just awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah once i hear back for a baseball player it, it just like oh man not that i cross them off my board but man it's always in the back of my mind especially you know? power batters you know no no pun no pun intended torres right back of your mind yeah nice. wow, that's really good mike <laughs> nice. hey i'm i'm cooking on all cylinders right now hey, all right well, take us through the twins my friend so you know when you hear back you get frustrated when i hear wrist it works me up when I, when I think about a hitter. And Dave, through your work with prospects and the Twins 1500 stuff, you've got me really going on Kirilov the last couple of years. Is this going to be a, a guy that's going to be able to be healthy and give me some results this year? Because I'm banking on him. I, I really hope so. I, I did a deep dive on him a couple of years ago, and I, I just fell in love with the bat, his approach, how he can hit. He learned from his father, and he just can't stay healthy. It's... It's been two years now of a wrist injury and the surgery this time was supposed to be the one to finalize it, to fix it. They did something right, like, right. it was either shortening or lengthening, no, shortening the bone, but he may end up being injury prone. I know he had Tommy John surgery in the minors and he's just been in and out of action. And you've seen though, when he is in there, what he can do. So if, if, if anyone's going to be one of his biggest fans, it's going to be me. I, I love the guy. Mm -hmm. I hope he can stay healthy. He should be the first baseman for the Twins this year, but I'm not counting on anything, and he might not even be ready for opening day. So. Actually, uh, one of my wrists would probably work okay for him. I mean, the other parts of my body aren't worth about, worth more than a quarter, but my wrists seem to work okay still. I won't tell you, you know. how I I won't tell you how I know that, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Moving on That's to the next. another episode. Hey, different episode, different times, right? <laughs> another guy that I was really high on coming into this year because of the discount was Jorge Polanco. Saw footage of him the other day walking around with some type of half-assed wrap on his leg at spring training. What's the status on him, Dave? Yeah, they were taking it really slowly, but like very dismissive and just quiet. They weren't really saying anything. And then all of a sudden he showed up with a brace on his knee watching batting practice. So as it, he hasn't gone to any games and it's looking like he won't be ready for opening day, but it's almost as if they're not being up front. The team's not being up front with it. Just they, they don't want to believe it or something. So right now I hope it won't need surgery to fix it. And mm -hmm. if it does, then I see Nick Gordon really stepping in. He was someone that I noticed when I did a lot of the stuff at Prospects 1500 that he he was always good at a lot of things, just not great at anything. Mm -hmm, any one mm -hmm. thing. So he'll he'll do what needs to be done. He's just not great at it. But definitely, he could definitely fill in at second base. I think no problem if it's even if it's a month. And so, Interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens because I, I think Polanco is a guy that's really being undervalued this year. If he comes back healthy, he could easily hit 20 home runs. The, the last two guys that we really kind of have to talk about too are in the outfield with uh, Kepler, who's a little banged up right now. And uh, what's going on with Byron Buxton? No news. Are we just waiting for the other shoe to drop with this guy or what? Well, they were purposely <clears throat> bringing him back slowly. I know he actually did get into a game today. It was just about a couple hours ago. He got into a game. So I'm hoping he's okay. Knock on wood, he's okay. Let's hope he doesn't need another steak that knocks him out for a couple of days. His <laughs> <laughs> jaw or something. He should be fine. Knock on wood. But 
knowing him, you never know what's going to happen. He just hit today the hardest ball by any twins in during the spring training in his first appearance. Well, there you go. See, and that, that's the thing. <laughs> and that's going to suck everybody back in. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm one of those suckers, man. I, I, can, yeah. I, can, I can help it. <laughs> just watch that ADP rise. No, you're right. Uh, it's impressive, actually, that he was able to do that. But yeah, he will will be back. He should be back. He played through pain all through last year, but you can't you can't count on him. So. All right. Well, I didn't plan this, but I ended up with the Yankees, and <laughs> this is just going to frustrate me because I'm already anti Brian Cashman. All right, that's a discussion for go. another. Here we go. Here we go. But uh, yeah, just looking at all of these guys that. Cashman has signed or traded for and everybody's getting hurt. Like it just, is it bad luck? Is it just not doing their due diligence before they make these moves? I don't know, man, but this is getting ridiculous. You've got Frankie Montas. Harrison Bader is down right now. Rodon is down. It just, I hate this team this year. I'll be honest with you, (laughs) but uh, I don't tell me Montas. We know he's going to be out most of the year, right? So I don't think there's, much to say there what's going on with Bader well Bader was going to be out for I think six weeks but that was a couple weeks ago so he may only miss a few weeks of the season but he and I'm glad you brought it up because I don't know if it's bad luck or they really just don't do their due diligence I I know they just talked about with Montas how he will be out and I forget who they mentioned that usually does the scouting just he messed it up like he just he had a shoulder injury like before they traded for him, he had yeah. a shoulder issue. Why would you trade for that player? It, it makes no sense. They, now, Montez did admit that he didn't actually disclose that he wasn't. But come on, you need to do your due diligence. Just like the Mets and the Giants did with Correa. They weren't comfortable. You guys, the team, the Yankees, they got to do their due diligence and figure out what needs to, or what what is wrong. And then if you want to make the deal, you do. And if you don't, you don't. But Chris, like, they can sprinkle that magic Yankee pixie dust all over everything and just no, make everything ran out. The, the pixie dust ran out. I'm telling you right now. I mean, Harrison Bader, too. While we're talking about him, he had plantar fasciitis last year. You go and trade Jordan you know, Montgomery. Like, like center fielders with plantar fasciitis? Yeah, yeah. The guy, the player who his whole game rests on his speed, you're going to go get a guy who has plantar fasciitis. It just makes no sense and not only it's not like you traded him for free i mean you you gave up a good starter for that player so it's just maddening don't know what's going on there and then rodan we knew he was a health risk and i'm not as upset about that one because i mean the skills are so good that i think it was it was worth that signing but what are you seeing dave do you think rodan is going to be back let's say by, by May of this year? I feel like that interview, I think it was Cashman sitting down trying to explain things. It was him trying to sell the fact that they think he, or they want to make us believe that he's going to be okay. He had this problem last year with the Giants. He had the exact same problem and he was able to pitch through it. So there is that aspect of it, but I don't know. I I don't know. I think he, I think he will be back. I think he's already started throwing. So I think he's going to be back, but I it's going to be tough to to count on him mm-hmm. until he really shows it for a while. I think we're going to have to stop this here before Chris get, gets a strike. My head, my head is going to explode, man. <laughs> we haven't even gotten to. I'm looking at Dave's notes that he came up with. Aaron Hicks, 
abomination in capital letters. And I cannot <laughs> agree more. The fact that guy is still on the team is a disgrace. You've got Donaldson, who, you know, as you noted here, is getting older. He's had hamstring problems. Stanton, who's hurt every year. I'm telling you now, the Yankees, and I hope I'm wrong, but this is such a flawed team. So injury prone. Like, there's so many ways this can go wrong. And we've already begun to see it. So I am just completely, I wouldn't do it because I'm a fan, but I would say take the under on this team because it's, it's, would you bring up all the youth? Would you just start it this year with the youth? Honestly, (laughs) yeah. But then they're just kind of, where do you put Volpe and Peraza? Like, they're both shortstops. It's just an oddly constructed team. I just, I don't know what they're doing. So, anyway, let's stop talking about the Chris, is Brett Gardner still available? My God, it's, it's not even. Well, Dave, we got a, a few minutes left here with you. And just quickly, uh, Joe Musgrove is is a guy who, you know, he had the injury. His ADP dropped after I think he injured his toe, right, during a, a weightlifting yeah. incident. But it looks like he's like his recovery is going pretty well, and he may be back sooner than we thought. So, where are things at with him? Yeah, I think he might only miss a couple starts. He went into a hyperbolic chamber to really keep his the rest of his body fresh and to help the healing there. So he should be back very soon. I'd say one or two starts, but that team really needs him because that they could not afford to lose anyone at the, at, in their rotation. Because after the top three, it's just... It's pretty it's ugly. Not yeah. <laughs> it's not much there. But yeah. they're going to rely on Cole Hamels, I guess, to give them some starts at some point. That's <laughs> all you need to know. Yeah. And uh, lastly, let's uh, look at the Rangers, who we knew going into the season. We talked about this with Levi Weaver a couple months ago. I mean, that team is just loaded with injury risk in that rotation between DeGrom, John Gray, Ivaldi, Heaney. So DeGrom looks healthy for now. Ivaldi yeah. is back and looked good. He, his velo was up in his last outing. Just tell us overall your thoughts on the health of this rotation. Yeah, it's to me, it's the biggest landmine in in all of baseball because they all have problems that they've had over the years. I mean, it's going to be week one and DeGrom and Neovaldi will be on a pitch count already. And was it John Gray was already hurt at some point in spring and Heaney just, he can't stay healthy. So you put all those four together and what, what do you have? You've got mm-hmm. Literal, literal man line or landmine. Uh, it could have, they could explode at any time. So I don't know when you spend that much money and you still have these many problems, I, I kind of question the, the decision-making there too. So maybe the Yankees aren't the worst decision makers out there. You've got a team that spent that much money on two players and the rest of their team still. It's funny when you, when you build a rotation and your safest bet is John Gray, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Tells a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, I want to ask you, because we got a, a couple minutes here. Can you stay with us for another five minutes? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, and I want to get your guys' opinion on this. So there's a lot of discussion in the fantasy community about uh, injury-prone players. Like, is, is that even a thing, right? And we've talked about some players who we probably would put in that category, right? But mm-hmm. you're looking at this stuff all the time, Dave, and would love to hear your thoughts. Like, when you're drafting, do you consider that like a player's injury history or are you more like well, injuries are just going to happen? You can't predict them and, and you don't. Obviously, if someone's injured at the time, it's different. But yeah. like if somebody's healthy now and let's say they have a history, 
Is that something that you weigh pretty heavily in your process? I'm I'm actually a very conservative guy when it comes to drafting, but I do look at the injury history like I do for track record with stats. So okay. if they had if they were relatively healthy for a long time, but they had that one bad season, uh, like last year, let's say, like like a Brandon Lowe last year, mm-hmm. I, I might be still in on them, knowing that they're healthy, knowing that in the offseason they had they did what they needed to do. Maybe they changed a few things. And especially with last year for other players that were hurt out of the blue uh, with, you know, not having a, a winter, an off season that was the same and they couldn't be with trainers to get a plan going in place. And they decided to put on weight like, like Giolito did mm-hmm. uh, just this year. They're healthy. They have their, their coaches, they have their staff, they have a plan in place. So I, I am in on them. But yeah, I look at their track record like I would with their stats, their history, their injury history like I would with their stats. I have to say, to add to that, my, my friendship with Dave, I mean, like I was saying before we came on, you know, I talk to Dave every day, multiple times a day via via Twitter and via text messaging. And Dave has really gotten me to consider my stance on injuries quite a bit. And and what he's done is he said to me things like, yes, you're right. This guy did have an injury, but this was kind of a freak injury. This was not. And the, so like Chris Sale was a great example. I grabbed him in one of the leagues that I was doing and David kind of convinced me like, hey, a fractured pinky finger is has nothing to do with really his ability, the mechanics of throwing. Right. I mean, yeah. it heals. It's not like he tore his, his labrum or, you know, his UCL or anything like that. So convincing me to think about guys like that. Chris Bryant was another one, like, you know, looking at Chris Bryant and saying, okay, he had this really weird foot thing last year. He's probably going to be recovered. He's probably going to be better. And he's hitting in cores. It's probably worth taking the risk. Buxton, on the other hand, is a guy that I can't do. I just can't, I can't do it. If if he were standing in front of me and he, I had the hundredth pick in the draft, I don't think I would, I could take him. Yeah. To me, he's like a game of operation for me, Buxton. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, he's been hurt here, over there, over there. It's just, but if someone was hurt just once or like a, like he said, a freakish injury, then I'm willing to give another chance. And if he gets hurt again, then it's just an easy drop and move on. Carlos, what about you? How do you factor injuries in, into your process? Oh, I'm a pretty conservative too. The only guy that makes me break that rule is Byron Boxing. I'm a sucker for him. It, it's just the, the possible upside and the potential always brings me down and and it's like you remember when Matthew Boyd used to make us think that he will be the like he's doing right now he's 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 he's, oh I'm so in on Matthew Boyd again he will break your heart Chris he will break your heart I I can't help it I'm like you with Buxton I'm telling you like all the way in baby it's it's like a drug man but (laughs) but I'm usually pretty conservative. I'm trying to change that because I think I've missed opportunities because of that. Like like Mike was saying, there there are things that are really something freak, and 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 you sh- I I should not put that much weight on it. But but I'm trying to get better at that. To be honest, just mm-hmm. a quick question, Dave. Mike you might want to put something on on your ears too. You think Luis Robert is getting the way of Byron Boxton, man? Because it looks like the guy is always having something. <laughs> Honestly, it's it's not a bad comp right there because <laughs> shut he, up, guys. He's in the minors. I think the White Sox have trainers. Is I'm pretty sure, like just looking at all of these guys with all of these rent. Tim Anderson, another guy, Kata, like 
I don't know what they're doing over there in Chicago, but it ain't working. Last year, I don't know what happened. I and it might have been with Larusa there, just not knowing what was going on. Let's hope for that, right, Mike? But uh, last year was just oh, that was an abomination. That was the Aaron Hicks of all abominations, <laughs> right there. All right, so we will end on on that on the Aaron Hicks abomination. Uh, <laughs> Dave, it's been great having you. We'd love to have you back on. I think this can. If you're willing, we'd love to have you on on a more regular basis because this is so helpful, just being up to date on the injuries and understanding how they're going to impact playing time. So thank you again for joining us. And if you could tell our listeners where they can find your work. Yeah. First, thank you guys for having me on. And I'd love to be back. That would be fantastic. You can find me on Twitter at sports underscore. You know, let me spell this out because it's. Not the same. S P O R T Z underscore N U T T five one. And yes, I'm at Prospects fifteen hundred. I'm at Pitcher List, and I do the the daily injury report for Fantrax. So you can check that out every single day, usually in the mornings. We got to get you a new Twitter handle, my man. Like I don't know <laughs> <laughs> whose is worse, Mike's or yours. I knew, that, I, knew that, I knew that was coming. I knew it was coming. <laughs> I've had that for years. It's my old email too. And it's just, I don't know. I had it for years and it's just, I don't know what I was thinking when I made it. <laughs> All right. Well, it's not reflective of your work. Cause again, you do, you do awesome work. So check out what Dave's got to offer. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with Tim McLeod. Welcome back. We are very happy to be joined by a special guest. We've got Tim McLeod with us, writer at Prospects 361. You know him from being a longtime writer for the Fantasy Baseball Guide. Tim, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Totally my pleasure, and thanks so much for having me. Uh, looking forward to talking uh, talking some baseball tonight. Guys, yeah. I want to, want, to, want to tell you a quick story about Tim and meeting him for the first time in Arizona last year. So... I've been a huge purveyor of the fantasy baseball guide for years. It was like I'm 50 years old and I would stand in the line at the jewel waiting for it to come out so that I could buy it and look for it every day, just like a, a little kid getting baseball cards. And I, I didn't realize that Tim and I were following each other on Twitter for a long time and were struggling to make the connection. And so when I did make the connection, I, we were down in Arizona for first pitch. I see this guy that's tall, good looking you know, bearded man sitting in, sitting in the lobby. And I, we start talking and it's, it's Tim McLeod. And so I'm texting my wife and my kids. I'm like, Oh my God, you guys, I'm sitting in the lobby with Tim McLeod. And they're like, who? And I was like, Tim McLeod is a fantasy baseball legend. You guys have no idea. And I was just so excited to meet Tim. He was as nice in person as he has ever been online. It was a pleasure to meet you. I hope that we are able to have drinks and break bread again next year, Tim. It was a pleasure to meet you in Arizona. Thank you so much for being kind to somebody like me, just kind of hanging out there. Well, you know what, Mike? While you were doing that, I was on my phone saying, hey, the great Mike Curry, Carter, just guess who I'm talking to. It was a blast meeting you, and hopefully, yeah. like you said, we'll get a chance to do it again. We sure will. The great Mike Carter. I love it. Yeah, um, the, the decidedly but, uh, mediocre Mike Carter. Anyway, Tim, we uh, the theme of this segment is sleepers. I know uh, that's a, a term that gets thrown around quite a bit. And 
for these purposes, we're going to be using the definition of a player that's going past an ADP of 300. And uh, yeah, just want to get your thoughts on on some guys who are kind of flying under the radar. So what do you got for us? Well, I got a couple of players that I really like if, if we've got the time to go through two or Absolutely. three. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a guy that I've been drafting really, really late in a lot of my drafts is an Arizona Diamondback, Alec Thomas. Okay, I, I think if you take a look at his minor league numbers, like he, last year, yeah, he's still a kid. Okay, he's got the job in center field for Arizona. Last year wasn't great, but look back through those minor league numbers, and they're pretty impressive. And I think when you look at Arizona and the transition they're making right now, you know, with Corbin Carroll, they've got some great young pitching. They're going to give him a really long leash, and I like Alex Tom- Thomas this year, especially his draft slot of his ADP at 374. He's getting absolutely no love, and he's got himself a full-time job, guys. Yeah, definitely, and we actually just talked about him with Eat Rider for the Diamondbacks. and oh, okay. Uh, yeah, we were a little mixed on him just because we were hoping to see more in spring training and and so far, obviously small sample, but he just right. hasn't looked too great. But I hear what you're saying. I mean, he was a guy who had some prospect pedigree, came up, struggled. And, you know, we've seen this how many times where we kind of forget about somebody after they struggle initially. And then, you know, it's that post hype sleeper guy who comes up and, and then, you know, they make their adjustments and take off. So yeah, we I, I can definitely see it. And his defense is, I think, a big factor as far as his playing time. Yeah, it's going to keep him in the game. Yeah, yeah for no, sure. No doubt no, about no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. We saw him play at Kane County. That's our, our neighborhood park here, single okay. ball. And uh, really good gap to gap hitter, really good speed, intuitive base runner, great glove. I think he's going to play more than people think he's going to play in Arizona, quite honestly. Yeah, I, I hope you're right, because I have a few shares. <laughs> don't don't need him back at AAA. I'll leave it at that. How, how about Milwaukee? And what I did was I took the ADPs from March 1st to today, because I wanted to try and get just a, a smaller cut to see if, you know, the bearing some of the injuries some hot springs have had on the ADPs and still sitting at 399 is Bryce Terrain. And you know, if you're looking for late late speed, he's he's always ran well, but last year we finally saw a little bit of power from him. I think he had 13 14 home runs last year. And it looks like uh, with a good spring he could have the second base uh, gig in Milwaukee. So like Bryce Trang, if you're looking for late speed. And it looks like he has the job right from the opening day. He's, he's been consolidating there. So playing yeah. time will be there. So that, that's a great, a great call. I, I love it. Thank you very much. And my last one, yeah, I spend most of my time uh, researching and looking at the NPB, the Japanese and Korean games. And right now with an ADP, and I thought it would be higher, an ADP of 457 is a Reliever that spent oh, the past two years garnering 69 saves in Japan, and he's having a great spring. And it's, you know, with Mark Melanson hitting the IL with a shoulder issue, it looks like Scott McGuff is one of the two finalists for the closer gig in Arizona. So, yeah, hey, he, he went to Japan, 
refined his game, and I know you guys are going to find it hard to believe if you've been watching the WBC, but he learned a splitter in Japan, just like every other Japanese. <laughs> you, don't, you don't say. You don't say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, exactly, and he's having a good spring. So if you're looking for a very, very late pick that could help you out in the saves category this year, yeah, hey, as your, as your seventh uh, reserve pick, and you can basically get him at that, give Scott McGuff a look uh, in Arizona. You know, this is turning into a Diamondbacks episode because, again, we, we spoke with Nick Picoro, the beat writer for the Diamondbacks, about Scott McGuff just a few minutes ago. And oh, he, really? Yeah, is he as he, high on him as I am? Or? He said he thinks he is the guy. At this point, it's looking like he is the favorite. So I think that's a great call out. I think his ADP is climbing as we speak. I think it's crept into like the 300s, around 350. I think other people are on the same wavelength as you, Tim. So, yeah, I think the fact that he had, you know, managers value that closer label, right? Mm -hmm. And even if it wasn't in the U.S., knowing that he's he's done that before in Japan, I think does carry some weight. You know, and I know he's got a good fastball, mid 90s. And anybody who can throw a splitter, uh, yeah, they're going to get outs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So definitely, uh, I think if, if people are listening, I think one takeaway from this episode is is that Scott McGuff is probably worth his cost at this point. Could have gotten him. I remember there were drafts. He was going like 600 something a couple months ago. So those days yeah. are long, long gone. But yep. Tim, let's transition to talking about some Japanese players, because I know that you follow that league very closely. So I do want to ask you. Because there are some players who've imported to the U.S. who, you know, are getting a decent amount of hype right. in fantasy circles. So, I want to ask you about Kode Senga as well as Masataka Yoshida. Who do you think out of those players is going to be have a better fantasy season? If I have a choice between the two, and this isn't a slight on Yoshida, I got to go with Senga. Yoshida is having a great WBC, and and he's a very good player. You're looking at a player that I believe projects to 12 to 15 home runs. Mm-hmm. Okay, the corresponding RBIs that go along with it. The speed is limited at best. You might be looking at a half dozen stolen bases. What Yoshida brings to the to the table is excellent bat-to-ball skills. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you're in an OBP league, yeah, move him up as a number three type outfielder because his OBP skills are off the charts. If I'm not mistaken, in 3,100 plate appearances, and I'll just confirm that right now, uh, Yoshida, uh, yeah, his career OBP was 421 over 31, 30, just wow. shy at 32. 100 plate appearances. Batting wow. average is 327. He can hit. There is no doubt about that. The best thing that could happen to Yoshida would be to bo- for Boston to put him in the leadoff spot. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, why are they going to bat him clean up with those type of on-base skills? Yeah, but when I look and compare him to Cody Senga, what I see with Senga, right now he's going as basically uh, in our game, a number four starter. Mm-hmm. And what I see is a solid number three, potentially number two, low number two type starter. Wow. When you start when you start looking at the numbers that he produced in Japan, well, for starters, he works with a 
you know, in the 95-96 range with a fastball. He can scrape triple digits when he has to, and his forkball is off the charts good. He's got a nickname, the Ghost Fork, and for good cause. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we're talking about a pitcher that had a career 259 ERA, 111 whip, and in a pinch shy of 1,100 innings, 1,250 strikeouts. I will take Sengo over Yoshida every day of the week. And again, it's not a slight against Yoshida. It's just that Senga has so much upside. And right now, you're potentially getting a huge bang for the buck with him going as basically a number four type starter. Mm-hmm. So that's that's pretty well pretty well where I'm at, guys. All right, Carlos, I want to hear from you. Who would you take out of those two players, Yoshida? Because they're going in a similar ADP range. Yoshida or, or Senga? I would love to have them both, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and nice to nice, nice to meet you, Carlos. It really is. We, we, we almost had a yeah, yeah, and that's two two bad things didn't work out, but hopefully some other time. Sure, they will. I'm, I'm more than willing to. Yeah, I think they are both. Yesterday, watching the, the J- Japan and Mexico game, I something like it's been a while since I, since I've seen a trio of more intimidating sluggers sluggers than Otani, Yoshida, Murakami because my goodness having to face them back to back to back must be a nightmare for Did, for 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 any pitcher you know you obviously didn't see the one Murakami hit tonight no uh, I, I did but I, but, I, but I read that he, he had a homer right 115. Yeah, he smoked it. Yeah, (laughs) upper deck, upper deck. Yeah, he he didn't miss much of it. No, no, (laughs) no. Just points to the Americans needing better starting pitching on this team, right? Oh, sure they do. You take a look. The two best pitchers in Japan today aren't pitching today. Right. Yeah, they pitched last night. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's hard to, you know, hey, there's a, there's a reason why there aren't more ace caliber type pitchers pitching in the WBC for the U.S. But Japanese the Japanese team brought them all, and we all know the story about pitching versus hitting, right? Yes. Good, good pitching, yeah, it usually wins. And again, there's still lots of time left in this one, but so far pitching has been definitely mm-hmm. uh, favoring the Japanese side. Yeah. All right, well, Tim, let's get you out of here so you can finish uh, watching that game. And uh, well, you noticed me looking over my shoulder. I did. <laughs> Picking up on the game there, but uh, listen, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for making the time. And uh, if you could just tell our listeners where they can find your work. Okay, you can you can find me over at Prospect Three Sixty One. I do a an ongoing closer report. Go three deep by team updated. I also do a weekly waiver wire, and we don't uh, we don't publish it until Sunday afternoon. I like to try and keep it as current as possible. Mm-hmm. So in season, we've got a lot going on. Every every Sunday and Friday, yours truly and Rich Wilson do the P three sixty one podcast, and you can find me on Twitter at runtmcp three sixty one. I want to thank you guys for having me on. It's truly, truly been a pleasure. And you have yourselves a great 2023. All right. Welcome back. So we are going to do our final segment here where you're going to hear from us and what players that we are targeting 
pass an ADP of 300. So let's start off. Who wants to go first? Anybody jump in. I'll give it a shot. Uh, so I'm going to cheat a little bit here, but because it's he doesn't have an ADP higher than 300 because he's currently at 273 back from those the nine main event draft that have already been done. But I was, I was say, telling you guys, I cannot be more and more hyped about Mitch Keller. It's it's just I'm I'm, I'm really targetively targeting every targeting him everywhere, and I think he's going to have an outstanding season. He, I, unfortunately, if he pitches for Pittsburgh, that we know that's a big limitation, and then a lot of things like W's that it's a big factor in our little fake game. But uh, he has all the tools that he changed his pitch pitches mix and uh, his throwing sinker now since last year. He has a combination of sinker and slider on a one to one ratio, and he he back pedaled a little bit on, on his fastball, which is not the greatest ever. Even when he's throwing it at ninety seven miles per hour, but its shape is not just the best anywhere. But he got a little bit on throwing it and throwing. He decided to throw the older stuff, and I think it's gonna work. At that price, there is a big potential and upside there, so I, I can't recommend him enough. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, and it seems like a, a lot of main event players are are also buying the hype and the the improved stuff that he has shown this spring training. So definitely a name you know if you're in a 12 team league a more casual league i think mitch keller is probably a guy you can get he may not even be drafted you know in that format but you know maybe get him in the last round of a draft like that if you're in a main event though or high stakes money league you're probably going to have to be aggressive because there's maybe someone in the room who is also thinking the same thing so all right you got mitch keller carlos Mike, let's hear from you. Who do you got as a sleeper? Yeah, I got a weird one here. I, it's one that kind of came to me late. I, um, a couple of weeks ago when we had Andrea on and we're talking about the Tampa Bay Rays, we started talking a little bit about Jose Siri. And I did a little bit of a deeper dive on him. And I know that a lot of people kind of say, who or why would I want this guy? Well, where he's going in the 440s ADP, it's basically a freebie. And this is a guy that just got announced as the starting center fielder for the Tampa Bay Rays. And the Tampa Bay is usually pretty good, as we know. So this is a guy that's going to have an opportunity to play on an everyday basis, at least to start the season. And the ability for him to be able to get some steals on the board late. And Andrea seemed to feel that he was a shoo-in for 20 steals if he was able to win the starting job and play. But the other thing is, is that he's sort of an untapped source of power as well. He could very easily hit 15 to 18 home runs if he's playing every day and steal 20 bases. And at ADP of 442, that's pretty valuable. The one thing that we don't know, and this is a hard thing to kind of say, is he might not be a very good hitter. That could be part of the problem. I mean, if he hits 210 or 212, then that's a little bit of a different problem. But the idea that you might be able to get double-digit steals and double-digit home runs that late is intriguing to me. I feel like I'm trying this new strategy where when I'm looking at a player, I'm asking myself, is he good? And it sounds like Jose Siri is, he just may not be a good hitter, but I hear what you're saying. Like he carries some category juice. The thing is with the Rays though, I'm kind of, it's just one of those things, man. The Rays are going to Ray, you know, you don't know 
like how secure the playing time is. They've got other guys like maybe a Josh Lowe who could take away some time from him. So uh, I don't know. I don't think I'm with you on Jose Siri, man. You know what? That's okay because we know that you're in on Brett Gardner. So <laughs> and Aaron Hicks, <laughs> my boys, my that's boys. a cheap, a cheap shot, man. <laughs> hey, he, he started it. He started it. <laughs> All right. Well, let me bring in a special guest. We've got friend of the show, Michael Smith. You can find him on Twitter at mtsmitty66. Mike, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Hey, Mike. All right. Welcome, Mike. Welcome. So, yeah, let's let's hear from you. Who are you thinking, like someone going super late, like a post-300 ADP player who may be flying under the radar? Who are you looking at this draft season? You know, I play in auction leagues, and so I'm not really in tune to to ADP it's also a keeper league so a lot of a lot of the sleepers may in our league may have been may already been kept but there's i mean there's so many out there every year that that replenish the pool but we keep eight hitters and, and four pitchers in our in our keeper league uh, and so there's a little depending on how much money you have going into the draft and what your needs are that kind of dictates what you're looking at but i there's a lot of pitchers out there that i have a lot of interest in Gavin Stone is one. Yep. Hunter Brown's another one. Clark Smith's another one. I know Fat just got called down, but I, I really, you know, you look at um, Ryan Nelson had an ERA, I think, of over five during spring training. And um, Jamison had an ERA over eight. I'm not really sure the reasoning for them sending him down when he seemed to be the, the most ready. But uh, anyways, I still think there's really good potential for him as as far as hitters, again, this is, you know, this is kind of a keeper league, so we're looking for people to to target to kind of sneak under the radar. Shortstop, I like Terang on his possibilities on Milwaukee, mm-hmm. uh, especially, you know, if there's an injury there. Um, he's been playing all over the out, infield during spring training. Profar, that's interesting. Everybody knows who Jerkson Profar is, but he's going to be leading off for the Rockies. I'm sure his price just went up. Yep. And then the last one, probably like Oswaldo Perez. I mean, he's he's going to be multi-infield eligible if he's not already by by the middle of the season for the Yankees. And I de- I think he's going to be super valuable. Those are that that's a list of some really good names. Man, Gavin Stone. I saw someone put out on Twitter the other day that they're they think Gavin Stone can be this year's Spencer Strider. And I think that might be a little hefty praise. Uh, wow. Yeah, but I think that, you know, given the context, right, like he's on the Dodgers, we know the Dodgers are going to have guys go on the IL. It seems like he's probably going to be the next man up after Ryan Pepio, who I think is actually dealing with an injury of his own at this point. Actually, Michael Grove might also be a factor there, but I think Gavin Stone is going to get some meaningful innings in the big leagues this season. And we saw that this stuff was excellent during spring training. and. I'm with you, Michael. I'm Brandon Fott. I was hoping to see him make the team. I think he's going to be up in short order as well. They've got guys in that rotation who I just don't think are are going to be long term options for them. You know, Zach Davies, Madison Bumgarner. Yeah, I can't imagine a team, especially like the Diamondbacks, who I feel like are are starting to transition into more of a team that could win now, right? Like they've got some really nice pieces. You can't be running out Madison Bumgarner and Zach Davies every five yeah. days for the whole season. So I think we'll see Fod up there and definitely someone to keep your eye on there. So 
Bryce Terang was actually someone, Tim McLeod, who we just had on, who he mentioned as one of his sleepers. So there you go. Some Bryce Terang love on this episode. So, uh, yeah, anything else to add, guys, on any of the names that Michael brought up? been adding Brandon Fat in all my auto new leagues. I don't know if you guys have played this crazy auto. <laughs> oh my God, don't do it, please. It's just <laughs> something that will suck the life out of you. It's, 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 it's way too complicated for me. It, the problem is, is that it's not that complicated, but it's really addictive. Man, I started, you know, last year, okay, I yeah, will give it a try with one leg. I already have six. So, it, oh my God, it's just too much. But, uh, Brandon Fat is especially good for this kind of, of leagues because he's you can get him so cheap right now and he has this SP1 potential that you will have him so cheap for a long a long time because mm-hmm. it has like uh, uh, salary adjustments and, and arbitration increases but you can if you can get one of these aces when they are in their in their cheap years it will be a solid foundation for your team. For a lot of them, and I'm thinking Gabe and Stone can be one of those guys too. So great, great calls there. Yeah, cool. great list. Mike, anything to add? No, I think that that's all really good stuff there. Those are all guys that are interesting. I've, I've been doing a little bit more on Gavin Stone, just trying to learn a little bit more, and uh, and it seems like the stuff is pretty legit there. You could end up getting a, a sizable opportunity in Los Angeles if, if things work out the way that they usually work out, which is the war of attrition with starting pitching. So. Yeah, and he had a 35% strikeout rate at both AA and AAA last year, so we we know he's got the swing and miss stuff. So, yeah, definitely a guy to to keep your eye on there. So, Michael, thank you so much for joining us. You gave us a, a list of great names there. Uh, yep. We appreciate you coming on. Take care. All right. Thanks, Mike. You've been listening to the Fantasy Baseball Beat. Thank you so much again for joining us. We truly appreciate every download, every listen, you know, and we'd love it if you enjoy the show. Please leave us a rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us out a ton and it motivates us to keep going. And while you're at it, please leave a rating for the other shows that are part of the Triple Play Fantasy Network. I think we've got some fantastic shows here and we want to keep building this channel. So any support would be greatly, greatly appreciated. Thank you again and we'll catch you next time.